This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. TL Talk Radio, Season 2, Episode 39. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 39 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funyhetton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funyhetton. Just a reminder to our listeners that this is the second in a series profiling schools and school leaders working towards learner-centered modeled. We've done many podcasts on personalizing and individualized learning, and with this series, we want to amplify the practitioner's voice. So we're connecting with innovative schools and leaders around the country and asking them to tell us their stories. Thanks to Kelly and Monica at Education Reimagined for helping us find these practitioners and make the connections. So our practitioner today is Bobby McDonald, Executive Director of City Neighbors Foundation in Baltimore, Maryland. Bobby is a founder and served as the first board president of City Neighbors Charter School. She was selected by the Anne E. Casey Foundation as one of 16 leaders from across the country for the 2013-14 Children and Family Fellowship. Previously, Bobby taught early childhood education and kindergarten in two university child development laboratory schools and served as a literacy trainer for Head Start and the Children's Literacy Initiative. Bobby received her bachelor's degree from the University of Illinois in Human Development and Family Ecology and holds a master's degree from the University of Maryland, College Park, in Curriculum and Instruction. Beginning in the summer of 2003, as a grassroots movement among a group of city neighbors, 17 families worked together and submitted the charter for an arts-integrated, project-based, Reggio Emilia-inspired parent school cooperative in Baltimore. Today, the City Neighbors Network of three schools, K-12, serves more than 800 children. Welcome to the podcast, Bobby. Thank you. 
Awesome to have you here. We spent some time uh, looking at some of the materials that the Education Reimagined organization has put out about City Neighbors and also looking through your website. And it uh, sounds like lots of really exciting things going on there. Mm. So we look forward to hearing about them today. So let's start off with some background on City Neighbors. Tell us a little bit about this, how the school came to be and what makes it unique for learners in Baltimore. Okay. Well, we have a great story at City Neighbors. It really was a grassroots effort, and, um, and those 17 families came together. And the question that they used was, you know, if we could have the best school we could imagine, you know, what would it be? And then those families got together and started dreaming um, of some great components to make a public school. At that time, back in 2003, we had a bit of a battle with the school board, and um, and that actually added a lot to our movement because we got galvanized and we even wrote a folk song and <laughs> we had to do a lot of um, community building, which really became um, really part of the heart of City Neighbors. Um, the idea that a group of folks together can create and dream of public education here in Baltimore. I love that idea that y'all got together and said, what's the best thing that we can put together. Uh, and I think that really uh, talks to this idea of creating a vision. And I think uh, as school leaders, that's one of the things that we've been focusing on this year is asking that same kind of question. What, what's the best kind of education that we can put together uh, for our learners? And I think more of us as educators need to, need to ask those kinds of questions. So that's very exciting. Yeah, Randy, I, I think that the, um, that the trick is, as educators, to allow the educators in the building and the families and the students to be in the state of mind where they're always imagining. You know, the question doesn't end. It's if we could have the best school we could imagine, what would it be? And we continually are imagining that together. So as you imagine it together, you're developing a vision. Can you talk to us a little bit about the vision of the individual child at City Neighbors and how, how in that vision you're honoring curriculum, instruction, and assessment? Sure. You know, it really is um, all anchored on how we see children. And I think here, you know, in Baltimore, especially right now, the way that we view children and the way that we view um, each other really matters. So at City Neighbors, you know, we say children are creative and capable and powerful and curious and deserving of the deepest respect. And we mean that for every single child, no matter what their background. You know, we serve many high-needs children coming from the most vulnerable of backgrounds. And um, to see them when they walk in the door in this way, as powerful and creative, makes a big difference in a school. And, um, and, and we see them as always seeking and making meaning, and they're navigating their own unique journeys. And so everything that we've created and built at City Neighbors is based on seeing kids like that. Um, so that, you know, of course, it um, informs the way we speak with kids. It informs the way we designed our curriculum and projects, the routines, the practices, our events, our traditions, our policies. You know, everything is built on how we view children. And so um, if you see children as powerful and creative and inventive um, and worthy of the deepest respect, then little things begin to make sense. For example, you wouldn't tell people that you're viewing that way exactly how to walk in the hallway. You certainly wouldn't tell them not to talk in the lunchroom, right? You certainly wouldn't tell them um, to do a limited amount of um, studying and learning on a certain project. Instead, you would ask them, what is the most interesting thing? 
how will you go find that information? Who else do you need to talk to? So there's a lot of freedom and independence that come with seeing children that way. And how do the students react to that freedom and independence and the way you view them as an individual child at the City Neighbors? I'd say that, um, and that's a fun question, because I'd say, you know, everyone reacts differently to it. Um, Some children come to us and and they're ready to roll, you know, and um, they'll just get right into working independently at that level. And um, for some kids, it really is an adjustment and a new way of thinking about it. And I think that's true of our parents, too. We do a lot to educate parents and to engage them in partnership with this kind of model. And I think it takes some adjustment. Um, I think the place that you see it the most is if students come to us um, and enter into City Neighbors in ninth grade, and they've gone to other schools and other middle schools, Mm -hmm. and that's quite a moment in a child's life. Um, I think a ninth grader coming into City Neighbors has the biggest adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, in the end, they are become great ambassadors mm-hmm. and become mission-driven like all the rest of the kids. I love this idea of focusing on the individual because I think it's where we should be, but it's also different from the traditional way that we tend to do school in this country where it's very much the system that takes precedence over the individual. Um, it's the system and the, the grades and the... And the um, the time that that students need to spend in a specific grade in a specific year, et cetera, and and you just seem to have this this sort of like wrapping in 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 warmth the individuality of of the children, and I think that that's really admirable. Thank you. I mean, we've done a lot um, in terms of really trying to redefine the teacher's role and the um, aspect of the physical environment as well, because. If you do see children differently and you see teachers differently and then you, your school, you know, becomes a different place, a more of a home-like feel, less industrial, mm-hmm. less like a factory, then we ask, well, what should a school really look like who has those beliefs? Yeah, and I saw uh, in some of your materials on your website, you have a video called Space to Learn. Could you talk to us a little bit about how the learning spaces at City Neighbors have been reimagined in the way that you're describing here? Sure. So all of our classrooms have, you know, a meeting space, and then there is always a um, introduction of more home-like furniture, couches, soft spaces. I think um, the idea first begins with an idea that everything actually does matter. The walls matter, the floors matter, what's on those walls. And so we've gone to great lengths to bring a lot of warmth and colors to add glass wherever we can so that there's transparency. Um, I think it's best described in our um, high school. We use um, a model called the pod model, and we designed a space um, based on this question. What would it take for every student to be known, loved, and inspired? And then we went about designing the high school, including the physical space. So in the pods, you know, students have... um, a living room, they have their lockers, you know, not in the hallways, but in the smaller space. They have a kitchen-like area, and then they each have an individual workspace. And um, 16 students and an advisor will stay together for four years and grow up together and then graduate together. So the idea of really allowing the physical space to wrap someone up and make them feel that there is comfort, that there's food, that there's warmth, that there's a family-like mm-hmm. feeling was our intent with that. 
So you're meeting those basic needs before they even start thinking about what's next. Yeah, and giving the students a real, um, a real socially embedded mm-hmm. um, platform to belong to mm-hmm. inside of school. You know, our high school has never gone below a ninety percent attendance rate. Wow! And for Baltimore, for Baltimore, that's quite a stat because mm-hmm. it's a non-criteria, you know, citywide mm-hmm. high school. So students through this question and what you've done to develop, um, you know, action steps or whatever you're doing in the school to answer that question, students surely feel connected and value the opportunity to be there. Well, the truth is we can't do education to kids and you guys know that, right? Mm -hmm. So we actually are in partnership with the students. And I think, you know, one of the um, components of city neighbors is the project based learning and using Mm -hmm. the arts to teach Um, inspired by Reggio Emilia, which is a really creative um, early childhood program out of Italy that honors the teacher as a researcher of student learning. And so so all of those components allow students to really be engaged because you can base the work on their interests. So talk to us a little bit about those projects and why they're so important in City Neighbors and give us an example of a real-world project students may have worked on. There are so many great um, (laughs) projects that the kids do, and usually the projects always have an essential question. You know, it might be something like, um, is peace possible? Or uh, what should we do with vacant housing in Baltimore? Mm -hmm. Or did the Holocaust happen? Um, The one that I'm thinking of right now just happened this year in our third grade. The third graders um, started with a question of, um, what is the best part of us? And so they were, um, they were paired up into different um, small pairs, and the students went through a process where they would identify what they thought the best part of themselves was. And then their partner would take pictures of that part. It might be their hair or their hands or their heart. Um, and then together they would write some um, content or poetry on that one part. So it was photography, it was a presentation, they had to do all of that. But the kids really weren't satisfied with that. And it, they started to talk about um, how people see Baltimore, you know, because right now it's very relevant with what's happening with Freddie Gray and and, um, children across the city. Um, And we have a heightened awareness of how folks nationally are seeing our city. And so are the third graders at City Neighbors. And so they came to that question of um, why would someone visit Baltimore? And they went that out and thought about it. And then they decided that they needed to conduct some research so they um, began to do research. They read fiction and nonfiction texts. They conducted interviews. They wrote letters to potential travelers, drawings, and much more. And they decided to write um, a travel guide for Baltimore by kids, you know, for kids. When they connected with the Baltimore Visitor Center, they said they didn't have any guide like that, and they would like one. So this project grew and grew, and the students then had to go out and do research and visit different places and do a write-up, and all of this really was student-driven. So the kids, they themselves, you know, mapped out the process for getting all that information. They did nice big um, visioning of what would be important to have in their travel guide, and then they actually did the layout as well. And um, and now the Baltimore um, Visitor Center distributes the Baltimore for kids by kids that the third graders made. So they had a chance to know that their work was relevant and important. 
to other other people and had a real audience. Yeah, and I love that idea of something that's relevant because a lot of the things that we actually ask kids to do today in school isn't they're not finding it relevant. And you know, you've you've done a lot to. Uh, it sounds like you've done a lot to um, make that connection to kids and. In your overall vision, it sounds like you've really created a, an exciting place, a place that partners with students. Uh, you mentioned teachers as researchers, engaged learners in projects that are real world around an essential question. You mentioned earlier, too, the integration of the arts and, and this idea of, the, of uh, changing the look of learning spaces. So for us who are outside of your world there, who want to create something that values some of those same uh, characteristics, what advice would you give us uh, in terms of moving towards this kind of progressive vision? I would say, um, and by the way, it's not easy, and you guys know that. And <laughs> this is true. You know, this, this kind of teaching and learning is, is messy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it takes mm-hmm. longer, and it goes deeper, and it might take turns that, that you didn't know it was going to take. And um, so I think, you know, one thing important is to find the joy in that, you know, to find the joy in building the relationships and doing that great work together. Um, I, I, think, I think because it isn't easy, I think if you're going to move towards this progressive kind of teaching and learning and building a community, you really do need to take a really clear, explicit stand on it. You know, take a stand on how you see children and how you see teachers and how you see families, and then use that as your reference point for every decision you make, you know, and um, does this make sense? A lot of times around here, we'll ask ourselves, you know, who owns this conversation? Mm -hmm. Should we be having this conversation, or does this one belong to the kids, you know? Mm. Um, Should we be having this conversation, or should the teachers be arguing passionately about the math curriculum? You know, should we be having this conversation, or is it really the parents who have to decide how do we invite real engagement here in our school? And so I think um, I think that mindset of trying to get the, the conversation that's being had, the work, in the hands of the people who need to do it is a progressive stance and one that takes, you know, some real, some real um, courage and support. So I would say, you know, take that strong stand and then gather folks who are drawn to it. You know, that's the nice thing about City Neighbors. We started, you know, back in 2004. Um, when we opened, we had seven teachers and 120 kids. And, you know, we were, we were just trying an idea. And now we have, you know, 100 folks on staff and over 800 kids. And we're looking to say, how else can we make a positive impact in Baltimore? What more can we do for other schools that also would like to... Um, you know, do this kind of teaching and learning. But um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I would just encourage folks to not try to be alone with it and to take that strong stand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Mm-hmm. And I love that question, who should be in on this conversation or who should be involved in this conversation? Who owns it? Um, Engaging student voice, something that we're working hard to do. It's really, really important. And, Mm -hmm. um, And the kids are up for it. You know, they really respond positively and they want to do, you know, work that's very difficult. They want to do that just like we all do work that is um, joyful and rewarding and Mm -hmm. makes a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. 
So thinking about joyful and rewarding work and work that can make a difference, what are you working on next with City Neighbors? What beautiful question um, are you thinking about in your work now? Well, (laughs) thank you for asking that. Um, Right now, we really are excited to have the school year wrap up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just want to say I'm sure a lot of other educators feel that as well. And, you know, as we look forward, now that we have these three strong models and they're constantly learning, you know, we are a learning organization. We're always tweaking it. For example, the high school is focusing on their math program and saying, how can we move more towards a competency-based math program and what would that really look like, you know? And our lower school is really focusing on um, arts integration and saying, are we doing enough using the arts? And our other um, K-8 school is really focusing on their middle school area and saying, do we have the, the program that really supports these early adolescents? So each of our schools is constantly in that state of imagining the best school we can together. And then the City Neighbors Foundation is saying, how can we impact positively public education? So um, we're looking towards our Progressive Ed Summit, if you don't mind me saying about it. It's um, November 12th. It's a teacher's conference. It's a free teacher's conference. We raise money so we don't have to charge the teachers. And it's November 12th, and it's a huge gathering. Um, Usually about 400 folks come. And it has about 40 workshops and a keynote and great and delicious food. So I just invite folks to come and um, gather with us for a great day of learning on November 12th. That sounds great. We can certainly add that to the show notes. I'm just looking online to make sure I have it here for our listeners so they can check it out. Thank you. That would be great. And um, so I think, you know, we don't have a brand new design question right now. We take those really seriously. (laughs) If we had a design question, we would be working full force on it. But the two that we have right now, um, if you could have the best school you can imagine, what would it be? And then what would it take? for every student to be known, loved, and inspired. Those two, we're going deep on and working as hard as we can to make those happen um, here at City Neighbors and hopefully at other schools as well. Very exciting work. So I have linked that progressive edit in Progressive Ed Summit, and it looks like you are still accepting proposals for conference uh, presentations um, in there. And additionally, we link some other videos and resources, your website, um, you can follow at City Neighbors on Twitter. You can check out Bobby's TEDx Baltimore and also that space to learn video that Randy referenced earlier in the show. So thanks. Thanks, thanks so much for being on the show, Bobby. We really appreciate it. Sure. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for highlighting, you know, good work that's happening all around. It really is inspirational. Each episode we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's question. What elements of the City Neighbors learning experience could you focus on in your own school context? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just find out more about the resources and links we shared in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 2, Episode 39. We'd love for you to rate the show on iTunes. Let us know your star rating and consider leaving a one- or two-sentence review. If you have time to do that, you'll help new folks discover this content. That's it for now. We'll see you next episode for a conversation with another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.